This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast. So while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. Bronwyn Shortino is here to discuss the politics of resilience. She's an author and self-professed simplicity expert who spent almost two decades as a high-powered, award-winning executive before experiencing a life-changing event that forced her to stop and ask the question, what if there's a better way to live? Through a journey of self-discovery, Bronwyn gained the knowledge and wisdom to write a book, Keep It Super Simple, Tips from a Recovering Perfectionist and encourages people to step away from a traditional life if they want to. Working globally through corporate programs, conferences, retreats, professional mentoring, and in the online world, Bronwyn teaches people how easy it is to live differently. Welcome to the show, Bronwyn. Wait to see where our conversation leads us. It should be fun. So diving back into your childhood growing up, how would you describe your experience as a kid in a few sentences? What kind of kid were you and um, what did you like to do? I spent my entire time outdoors, either roaming the countryside, riding the horses, playing with the animals or on the sporting field. I had a very free and natural upbringing. I pretty much lived you know all the aspects of my life around those things so as a kid did you have a dream career and did you achieve that (laughs) I was always going to be a lawyer that was just the thing that I always wanted to do Uh, and uh, no I didn't end up being a lawyer I ended up in the corporate world teaching people how to grow their businesses in the small to medium enterprise space so, um, yeah, it took, a, I guess, a, a really strange trajectory from, the, you know, the one thing I always wanted to be when I was growing up, um, but still ended up in the corporate world. And so your early career, what did that involve? What did it look like? And did you have any lessons that you learned over that time in corporate? Yeah, my early career, I ended up in a very male-dominated industry. And my early career was very much as a young female in a male-dominated industry. And there were lots of lessons that came with that uh, and mostly how to actually succeed and grow and develop and and remain true to myself within that environment. And that was something that I found very difficult uh, and uh, it took me a long time and, you know, a significant health crisis to actually really learn my lessons around that. And what were some of those lessons in terms of, I guess, maybe resilience or health or well-being? What were some of the key things that, reflecting now, you realise were the lessons that you had to learn? Yeah, I think probably there's, a, you know, there's two main lessons. And, and the first one of those is that we don't have to be stressed and exhausted to be successful. I think that as a society we hold that belief at the moment. And with the speed of our lives and the invasion from every corner of our lives now, There is so much pressure 24-7 for us to be constantly, you know, on the money, you know, on the path, you know, uh, 
achieving something every second of every day. And that brings a significant level of stress and exhaustion with it. And along the way, we've just accepted that that is normal. And there is nothing normal about being stressed and exhausted, you know, at a chronic level on a constant basis. And I think even just using the words on a chronic level on a constant basis, there'd be a lot of people that would just be going, oh, yeah, but, you know, stress is normal. And I think we've just accepted now that, that these significant levels of being so tired and under so much pressure all the time is something that is just a normal part of life. Absolutely. Yeah, genetically we're not built to actually be able to maintain that and sustain that for long periods of time. And so that does significantly impact on our health, both physical and mental, and we're just completely oblivious to it because we've been taught to believe that it's normal. The second thing, I guess, that comes off the back of that is that we are so afraid of change in our lives that we're now more afraid of change than we are afraid of dying. And Why do you say that? I'm curious about that. What What is it about that change element you think that's created so much fear? Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the way that we are socially conditioned and, and to a certain extent brainwashed as we're children, um, and that comes from, you know, our friends, our family, the community, the school we go to, the sports club we play at, you know, the music place that we go to, any of those things, they all have their rules around what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's acceptable, what's not. And over time, we just get pushed and pulled and squashed into a shape that's not naturally our own. Uh, and when you when you look at the way that that social conditioning occurs, it usually occurs with the bad things being, you know, really threatened with punishment and ostracism and all of those sorts of things that make us feel really uncomfortable and, and you know, really bad within ourselves. So we naturally move away from those things. And now I think that our lives are so visible and with social media we have to be so switched on and we have to appear like we're achieving something all the time. We're more and more afraid to step out of line because it's no longer just the the circle of friends around us that have something to say. It's people from all over the world that perhaps don't even know us who can actually now have a say and it can be so on such a much more significant scale, the backlash, I guess, around that conditioning if somebody decides that you've done something that's not appropriate. And so that level of fear around uh, who we are, how we behave, what we do and how we do it is so much more heightened than it ever used to be. And so we now drive ourselves in a way that's not necessarily aligned with who we are. Um, And we end up in situations where we're under so much pressure for such a long period of time that we just can't, we actually can't physically or mentally take the pressure anymore. And it just creates a trigger point where we collapse. Um, And that obviously happened to you. That was something that you're obviously telling something from a personal perspective. And I guess on the back of that, what would be a shining example of a time when you really had to learn to become more resilient? misunderstood and it's been taken to a place now where resilience really is seen to be your ability to keep to keep going and keep turning up and not getting sick and all of these sorts of things but resilience is actually your ability your ability to stay true to who you are and aligned with your values no matter what is going on around you um, and those are two very different things um, and so people are, people are often really confused when you know, it becomes a bit of a buzzword and, and uh, you know, I've had people sitting in front of me in a mentoring session saying, 
you know, my boss has just said that I need to be more resilient, but, you know, all of these things. And I don't understand because I thought I was resilient, but, you know, and so it's really quite a confusing word to start with. So for me, I had to, you know, when I collapsed, I collapsed in a significant way. Um, and it took me two years of really hard, long, confronting, daunting, daunting and overwhelming work um, with health professionals to get myself back to a point where I could actually exist in just a day-to-day life. And so through that process, I really had to learn who I was again. I had to reconnect with things that were important to me. And along the way, built a structure and a platform that allowed me to really create resilience moving forward. So because I really understand so deeply and and so connected with who I am now, it's really easy for me to ebb and flow through different stages and different challenges in life because I know the things that are aligned with who I am and and not. Um, So I guess, you know, a lot of my work now is about teaching people how to actually create that platform so they don't have to go to the level that I went to. Absolutely. So how do you define real resilience in an era which, like you say, it has become a buzzword? Yeah, I think real resilience is really about understanding who you are and coming back to the basics of being able to look at yourself in the mirror and know who you're looking at. So what would be an example of that? Like, is this about your values? Is this about, you know, what you want to achieve? What, how do you define that in a really granular way? Yeah, I think the first step is to actually understand Um, how you re-energise your energy. So um, we all have an energy tank within us and a lot of us are really just constantly draining from that energy tank and not refilling it. So I think the first thing to understand is, um, you know, where you actually get your energy from, how you get it, and then make sure you've got those activities every day in some form that allow you to refuel your energy tanks. Once you can do that, you've got a better connection with who you are yourself you can then start understanding and defining what your values are. And once you know what your values are, it's really easy to decide what you do and don't want to be doing in your life because you know what is and isn't aligned with your values. Um, So I think that makes it so much easier um, in moving forward and in, in actually challenging yourself to take those little steps to make some changes because you're so much sure of the footing that you've got when you're walking. And you do harp on this idea that we all need added resilience because we are more stressed and exhausted than ever before. And probably instead of being more resilient, quote unquote, we need to learn to be more connected and simplify our lives. So can you sort of explain how you might have done that in your own life? What's the simplification piece and how can that give us perspective to perhaps become resilient in a good way? Yeah, so for me, um, I really um, uh, have a look at the simplicity piece and that is really about, um, you know, really getting rid of the things that are complex in your life. So a perfect example of that for me was, um, you know, I found myself in a situation where I was trying to be three different people in different situations. So I had Bronwyn at home, Bronwyn at work and then Bronwyn in a social setting. Um, and, you know, Bronwyn at home and Bronwyn at work had different surnames. Um, and Bronwyn at home and Bronwyn at work had different signatures. And, um, you know, that was fine when you can keep those places separate. But then when you start travelling to work and you've got Bronwyn at home surname and you've got to remember who you're signing with in different situations and all of that sort of stuff, there's so much complexity around that. And that all came out of a situation where 
my maiden name was so much easier to say and pronounce than my married name was. And so, and I had a corporate identity and all of those things. And so I thought, I'll just keep my maiden name for work. And, you know, at home, I'll just be, you know, my married name. But it created such a complex situation that just added pressure that didn't need to be there. So one of the first things I did when I was going through my recovery from a breakdown was to actually look at those things and those areas where things really were complex and just created, you know, added things I didn't need and I just completely simplified them. I became one person, just one thing, one signature, one surname, all of those sorts of things and there's a whole heap of pressure that drops out of your life. Um, I think also it's really about understanding um, exactly how your life is set up. So things like... Um, you know, if you catch yourself comparing your life to somebody else's life that you see in social media, for example, you really need to put an, an overlay on that in your thinking and just say, but hang on, that social media, that's actually a virtual world. I'm comparing my real life with a virtual world they're never going to match. So it's understanding some of those simple, simple things and really just allowing yourself a bit of self-compassion that just says, hang on, I'm okay, I'm doing okay. I'm doing what's aligned with my values. I'm doing what's aligned with who I am. I don't need to worry about all that other stuff. It's interesting um, you, you mentioned those two examples. Number one, I have still kept my maiden name after 12 years for work. So I'm Amber Danes yeah. and I'm Amber Unger in the rest of my life. And I haven't even thought that that's made my life complicated. I do know what you mean about the administrivia, but I guess I kind of must be old journalist in me. I just can't get rid of my maiden name and my married name. Amber Unger just doesn't sound that great, to be honest, phonetically for me. So um, I went from, you know, one name which I love to one that I wasn't so happy with. But, yes, I think that's – it depends, I guess, what your, what, your, what your tipping points are. But the piece about social media is interesting because I've got a journalist friend who you would imagine needs to be on social media for her work. She's a senior freelancer in the business space, but she actually has no social media accounts now, none, and she yeah. reckons that's changed her life completely because she has a high workload, a high volume workload. And she just said, I, I feel like it's a chore, all this keeping up with Instagram and tweeting and, you know, all the things that she said, now I've, I read like two books a week because I just don't do that stuff. So I think for yeah. some people it'll be about even taking that next step is what I'm saying and actually maybe opting out of social media for a period or, you know, simplifying how many accounts they have because, that definitely is something which didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, totally. And I find as well, I have social media. I have it for, I have it for my business because my business is global and that's a really, uh, it's actually a really easy and simple way for me to connect with followers from all around the world. Um, but I'm only posting once or twice a day. Um, I've only got three accounts. Um, and... Uh, those things are relatively connected, so I don't necessarily need to do three different things for the three different accounts. Um, you know, I've really simplified how I use it, when I use it, and, and the role that it plays in my life. I don't spend hours trawling through it. My personal account pretty much is just a share from my um, work account. Um, so it, I think it, you're right. It's a bit like the surname for you kind of doesn't create a massive issue, whereas for me it created this massive complexity. Mm. It's different horses for different courses, you know, and I totally. think that's a really important thing to sort of talk about is we are all unique individuals and what works for me won't necessarily work for everybody else. But there might be bits of it that, that you can take and say, hey, I might give that a go. Um, you know, so I think, you know, for your journalist friend, it's the perfect example of, oh, this stuff was just creating havoc in my life. 
I've got rid of it, I've simplified what I'm doing and now I get to do these other things which I really love. And it also means her and I catch up in real life more often because she has no idea what's happening in my life. And so I think from a relationship point of view, if relationships with close friends are important to you, that is one way I guess to create the perspective on that. Totally, yeah. And I think that that's something really that's part of that connection piece is you know, to, to reduce the stress and the exhaustion is to start getting back to those things that really feed us from a soul level and, you know, make us happy and, and create that light and colour in our lives instead of just the dull, grey, tired, exhausted slog. Absolutely. So where do many people go wrong when they try to be more resilient in your experience, maybe from your coaching work that you do? I mean, is there any sort of patterns where people kind of, you know, the man up language or the get on with it or I'm just going to work harder and then I'll get a break. I mean, is there sort of some mindsets which people adopt when they maybe are stressed and they actually think they're being resilient and they're not? Yeah, I think the biggest one is soldier on. You just push through. If you can push through, just get through this, you know, just get to the end of this and then it'll all be okay. But the problem is because you've created that environment and you've created that habit and you've created that way of life, that becomes your way of life. So as you just push through this, the next thing comes in and then you just push through that. So I think the biggest thing um, that I see is, you know, that fear around change. Um, and, you know, I can't I can't do anything differently because. Yes. Or, um, it's okay for you because. Um, I don't know about you, but in my life, it's this. So it becomes a comparison game. Yes, um, yep. which we're know, all guilty of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you might live your life like that and that's fine for you because it's all of these, you know, big long list of reasons. Mm. But I can't do that because of this. And it's like, okay, well, for starters, the way I live my life might not work for you at all in any format anyway. Um, so really it's it's about just having a look at what you need, create, making sure you've got those energy-creating activities so that you're refueling your tanks for starters. Um, and then I think, secondly, the next thing is people, re- you know, people always know what they want. They always know the thing that they really would like to have in their life, but they're either too afraid to say or they won't say because they're too afraid they won't get it. And then their life really is a slog because they can't have the thing they want. And I think the thing is people go straight to overwhelm in things. Yes. They say, I'd really like to do this, but then it becomes just too big and they can't. Not their way. I can't chunk it down at all. And yeah, there's they, how to get there. you almost talk yourself yeah. out of it, don't you? Sometimes you sort of say, Oh, I'd love to move to, you know, outside, you know, a capital city and have a tree change, but these are all the reasons I can't. Or I've got to wait. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because yeah. it goes straight to overwhelm. So it's really about just making sure that, you know, here's the thing you really want, and that's great. Let's just not even worry about going to overwhelm. Now let's have a look at the little steps you can take to work your way towards doing that. Because I think we really need to combat this need to have everything immediately. I have to succeed immediately. I've got to have this immediately. I've got to have all the money immediately. I've got to do all these things immediately. And then that just becomes pressure and stress and overwhelm. Whereas if you just say, here's the thing I want and here's the little things I can do to get there, let's just focus on the first one. And then you know that you're heading in the direction. And it's really interesting how... It takes a little bit of time to start with because you're undoing, you know, sometimes decades worth of mindset and habits. But the more you actually take these little steps and you just take that one step repeatedly and then all of a sudden that's a habit. And then it becomes, you know, really quite quick after that. 
um, you know, to head in the direction of the goal that you want. Um, so it's, it's sometimes it's just undoing some of the conditioning that we've been given and really just opening your mind to think about something in a little bit, you know, of a different way, but that can open the way that you see it so significantly that, you know, you can make massive changes in your life just from tiny little steps that you take. So can you share with us the most important or valuable people in your life that might have been mentors or even family or friends? If so, who are they and what have they taught you about true success and maybe resilience too? Yeah, I think probably um, there's been two really significant mentors in my life um, and actually a third one is just presenting now, which is which is beautiful because it's lovely in, that in different stages of your life and in different ways people can really present. Um, and the first of those uh, was a lady called Mary Dwyer from Impact Solutions International. And she really was the first mentor that I had in my very early 20s. Um, and she presented it at a time when I was really struggling with that male-dominated industry and really struggling to find my way around the boys' club and, and all of those things, you know, that nobody admits exist, but, you know, we all know they do. Um, and so she she really taught me about um, you know my first steps in resilience uh, in terms of really just staying connected with who you are and she really taught me about that remaining with remaining connected with the feminine irrespective of the fact that I was in a male dominated industry and she really taught me I guess my first footsteps along the pathway of being able to really um, you know, change the way that your mind works and identify patterns in your mind and all of those sorts of things. My second mentor um, was actually, she actually presented for me about 12 months into my recovery from my breakdown. And that was the first, uh, she was, that was Melanie Ryan from um, the Melanie Ryan Applied Institute of Consciousness. And she uh, really started opening up for me uh, a whole world of information around energy medicine and energy healing, which had been a set of information that was completely closed off to me before. Yes. Um, I just, you know, mentally and from a, a conditioning point of view and all of those sorts of things, just nothing that I'd ever considered before. Uh, and so I actually started down the track of doing um, energy alignments and all those sorts of things whilst I was in... Um, sort of recovery um, from my breakdown, and and you know that that whole world opened up to me of you know meditation and energy alignments and all of those sorts of things that just hadn't been on my radar before. Um, and then the third sort of mentor, um, who's also she's she's actually also a really good friend, um, is Freya Sanson, and she's from Earthheart, and so now actually that's presenting. Um, a much more uh, sort of spiritual, I guess, um, education around the different sort of facets that are available down that track. Um, and also the way that the corporate world can actually be connected with that sort of energy healing and those sorts of things, um, those worlds to go together to start to accelerate people forward, um, you know, to actually help them move through these, these times of significant change in the way that we're living. Absolutely. So to wrap up, what would be your best advice for us all to become more successful in the politics of resilience? Yeah, I guess, you know, probably the biggest lesson I learned, if I'm allowed to only say one from my from my journey. I'm being disciplined for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, is 
actually that there's nothing I have in my life now that wasn't readily, easily and openly available to me before. Mm. Um, I was just so closed off to all the opportunities in my life and to just how easily we can move forward in a different way that I just couldn't see it. Um, and so really taking the time to learn about that resilience and you know how you can more easily connect with who you are, with your values, with how you re-energize your, you know, your energy tanks and refuel, that I think um, you know, is the catalyst for taking you forward in a different way. Um, and I would say to any individual, don't wait for somebody else to actually create a training or allow you to attend a training or any of that sort of stuff around these things. If, if you don't have an employer that supports you in actually making these you know, changes to live differently um, or you don't have family members that back you in these things, just step up and do it because it really is the difference in living in a different way. Um, and if you wait for someone else, you could be waiting forever. Absolutely. Well, we've really appreciated your candidness and personal stories today. If you want to connect further with Bronwyn, there will be some details on our show notes. You've been listening to The Politics of Everything. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed The Politics of Everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespoke comms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S dot com dot A-U and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.